Welcome to the Orville City Council meeting of July 6, 2021, where we are reconvening from closed session where direction was given and no action was taken. We are uh, calling this meeting to order for open session. Stand with me for the Pledge of Allegiance. Salute. Pledge. I pledge. to adopt the agenda. So moved. Motion carries with seven yeses and zero noes. Moving on to presentations and proclamations. Orville Docent Association presentation. Treasurer of the Friends of the Parks, I wear two hats tonight. The first hat is to uh, bring you uh, mementos, all of you who are on the City Council, so that you remember our beautiful museums, because we need you to come down and see us. We really want you to come and see what we do. So first of all, let me hand those out. If it's possible, may I approach you with these items? Thank you. something in there from each of the museums we need you to come and see us we need you to see what we're doing we need you to share in the joy that we have of presenting Oroville at its very best the other hat I'm wearing is the secret treasurer of the friends of the park through a generous donation from the Manassian family a garden has been given to the city of Oroville it has been finished and we need to dedicate it I have sent an invitation to all of you. I've written every envelope myself. And I'd like you to come on the 22nd at 9 in the morning. We're going to have a few members of the Manassian family. We're going to cut a ribbon and we're going to show you this beautiful, beautiful garden that has been done in memory of Jean, Jack, and Malcolm Manassian. And they have in the last two years given $40,000 to the city for the improvement of St. Park. We'd love to have you come down and see the beauty that we have wrought out of what we have. Thank you very much. I appreciate this opportunity. Good night.
Mr. Mayor, we have several speakers on this item. Our first speaker is Oliver Perry Ronaldson. I'm sorry if I butchered the last name. No. It's my first time speaking to the city council, so I have no idea what to say or who to address it to, but um, to, I guess, the city council. Uh, my name is Oliver Perry. Uh, this is Ron Lanson, uh, vice president and uh, vice president Ron Lanston and president Oliver Perry of Veteran Adventures. Uh, we are wanted to introduce ourselves to the city, city council uh, to introduce our program, Veteran Adventures. We are a veteran nonprofit recreation program. We focus on veterans with PTSD and other disabilities to try and get them out into society, uh, become part of the community. Um, we are hosting a, our first huge event. Uh, we've been doing this about three years, but we are hosting our first uh, huge event um, out at the Aquatic Center on July 10th. We invite you all to come out and see how and what we do. Um, Briefly, we, we've <laughs> been doing this about three years on our own. Uh, we're both uh, combat veterans ourselves. And we've seen the, the struggles that the young men have. We've had as many as 15 people from the Menlo Park, uh, younger soldiers right out of Afghanistan come, and we take them boat rides, golfing, things like that, kind of reconnect. And this weekend, we're having almost 50 vets gathered mostly local and stuff like that and it's just a veteran appreciation day and we're making awareness of the suicide rate of our young vets and and just uh, PTSD awareness so thank okay. you our next speaker is Tariff Riesinger Good evening, council members. Um, I'm new to Oroville. I only moved here officially last August. I come from Turlock, um, semi-small community. Uh, I work as a armed security officer here in Oroville. Um, some people probably see me around. And I was brought up here because of the um, transient homeless issue, and so I'm there to guard the bank. And it has been an arduous uh, task. Um, when I first got here, the property was pretty much overrun. Uh, we get our occasional people that come in. And just like right now, before I got off work, I had a habitual individual who I run off before. She came on the property and uh, asked her to leave. She just ignored me. I got behind her and said, look, I've told you before to leave. She turned around and she bit right at my feet, and uh, she's harassed the customers in the past, and um, not just her, several dozens of others. In Turlock, I was active with our city council um, because also had homeless issue there, so I'd like to know who it is to speak with or a group to speak with about really addressing some of the issues that I have seen. 
uh, in this city. So if anybody would be more than happy afterwards to uh, direct me where to go, who to, whom to speak with, I would really appreciate that. Okay. Thank you. Our next speaker is Steve Terry. Evening, Council. Um, I'm going to spend a couple of minutes talking about Water Tender 3. Since Water Tender 3, has, uh, the city has seen fit to say that Water Tender 3 is not authorized to respond within the city limits of Orville, uh, it is shut down. Um, my dog and the other show has at this point been removed, you might say. Anyway, uh, I just want you to understand, the nearest water tender that you have for for Orville right now is Station 64, that's Kelly Ridge. That's a 15-minute Code 3 drive, if you're fortunate, if it's available. Uh, the next water tender available is Gridley. That'd be 74, and however long it takes to drive from Gridley. Or Butte College, Cherokee, Concow, Durham, or Chico. Last, about two weeks ago, I was on the fire in the dog park uh, when I was still considered in limits and uh, um, I will tell you we need a second water tender it came all the way from Chico so we have great coverage right now for our fire department and in these times when we're looking at at what's best for our city and helping our firefighters out and getting water to them uh, depriving them of 3,500 gallons of water is kind of a tough thing to do and then if uh, uh, if you were on the dog park fire, you would have found out that the ingress and egress was blocked most of the time. But it wasn't blocked by who you might think it was. It was blocked by Cal Fire. Uh, constantly, we had to get out and ask them to move so we'd get water through to our engines. And so uh, uh, just some information for you, because with Water 10 to 3 being sidelined, uh, I don't think it's really very good for the city. And it really isn't real good for uh, not getting water to our firefighters. Our next speaker is Bill Spear. Council, thank you for opportunity to speak with you today. And I just come this evening to pray over y'all. So Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for um, the leaders, uh, our city council, and pray for um, supernatural wisdom, Lord, to guide and direct. Lord, we pray your protection upon their families, upon all who serve, Lord, the firefighters and the police and all the people that work here in our city, and we pray that you would help us to continue to to work together and to um, to do what's best for the city. I think of all the things that's going on over in Chico, and and I just pray that that doesn't happen here. I pray for your peace that surpasses all understanding. We um thank you for the uh, security guard that moved here, and we pray. Um, that you would uh, bless all the people that are that are looking out, and we pray for the homeless that are 
that are out there that um, you would make a way for them to um, to be restored, to be made whole, that you would help us to be diligent um, even to them. We pray for the, the Hope Center, that you would continue to use them mightily and um, to meet the needs of the people. And we thank you for the rescue mission and their many years of, of serving the least of these. And um, Haven of Hope on Wills, we thank all the wonderful organizations that you have in our city and just pray you'd be with them all give them a fresh anointing a, um, a fresh win the veterans uh recreation um program bless them and let them prosper let it uh serve lots of people in jesus our next speaker is the cameraman Good evening, Oroville City Council. It was great uh, to see some of you all at the uh, fly-in over the 4th of July weekend. Uh, wonderful event. Uh, you know, great people in our city. Great event. So um, what I'm about to talk about now really disturbs me and uh, brings a disappointment to my heart to learn that a citizen who wishes not to be named, but uh, I will say this, take it with a grain of salt because... Um, all it is is word and allegation. The only thing I can independently verify is that one other person uh, has confirmed some of the things that the, that has been said to me in this email. And certain faces I'm not seeing around town anymore. But what's communicated to me is that a certain lieutenant in the Oroville Police Department, um, Zar, Zariet, if I'm saying his last name, but his first name's Gil, um, is supposedly under investigation for sexual harassment and other misconduct in the workplace. From what I've been told, he's accused of allegedly touching uh, female dispatchers in inappropriate places and just generally harassing other female members of staff. Whether or not this is true, per se, um, it's very disturbing, nonetheless. Um, there's also mention regards to a, a different sergeant who's also been troublesome, which I've also heard about and spoken about on this mic uh, previously. Um, and it's just really disturbing to think that this is potentially going on and that there's no action being taken. That's why I'm being reached out to, because supposedly Sergeant uh, Purdy was uh, accused of letting someone go from a DUI, and she was put through the ringer. And uh, this lieutenant is doing some serious misconduct, allegedly, and supposedly no action's going to be done, and it's going to run out in eight days. Our last public speaker. Before the, before the speaker, before the speaker, no, you can have a seat, sir. Before the next speaker, I'm, I'm going to address something publicly. Uh, I will not address allegations made about personnel issues from the dais. What I will say is this. This city takes allegations of impropriety very seriously, absolutely seriously. So to have a member of the public come up and say the city's not doing anything about anything could not be further from the truth. When allegations are, uh, are made, they are investigated. I will not, and again, I'm speaking in a vacuum. I'm not confirming anything that was said here from the podium other than to say, when allegations are made, they are investigated. And we go wherever the facts lead us 
in every one of those investigations. That's it. <coughs> the last public speaker on non-agenda items is Bobby O'Reilly. Yes. Good evening, Council. Very wonderful to see your smiling, warm, friendly faces this evening. I would like to uh, briefly echo uh, Preacher 3, Mr. Steve Terry, in the sediments on the water tender. I, too, was at the Riverbend fire. I, too, was at the fire behind the olive orchard. I, too, was, uh, let's see, at the fire by Walmart. And these fire engines use water uh, very quickly. They're not made with a whole lot of water. They're made to get there and start on the process until the backup gets there. Um, but they're not made to drag out for a long period of time. Understanding that um, I am in the position I am uh, on a volunteer status and basis, um, this comment that I've made tonight is of my own personal opinion. Uh, so my own personal opinion as a, as a citizen of Oroville, I hope that both agencies can work together and come up with some cooperative plan uh, to put public safety at the top, which usually does happen, and get back uh, to services. I would like to uh, also address the... Um, well, what would I call it? Mr. Mayor, I believe that we lost him because he's no longer on Zoom. So, Mr. Mayor, that is the last speaker that I have on non-agenda items. Okay, thank you. Looking for a motion to adopt the consent calendar. Mr. Mayor, if I could, I respectfully request to pull item number five. Looking for a motion to adopt the consent calendar, pulling item number five. I move that we adopt the consent calendar, exempt item number five. I second. Mr. LeGrone. Motion carries with seven yeses and zero noes. Mr. LeGrone, you pulled item number five. Yes, sir. I need to recuse myself from this item and leave the room. I'm a trustee of that board. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Mr. Mayor, I, I can go ahead and handle that item. It's, it is a standard contract that's done uh, for the last number of years to provide um, a, a school resource officer to the school district. Um, I, I can get into the benefits of that if you'd like, or you know, certainly I can answer any questions if you have any. But I know. are there any questions from this dais? Do we have any questions from the public on this item, Mr. Mayor? I do not have any public speakers on item five. Looking for a motion to adopt resolution number eight nine five nine. So moved. All right. Was that Goodson Thompson? Or Hatley, okay. Motion carries with seven yeses and zero <clears throat> noes. The carrying, we have to wait till 515, so we're going to jump over to regular business. 
Item number five, Old Time Fiddler's Mural on East Wall of the Orville Convention Center. Good evening, Mayor and Council Members. Don Nevers with Community Development. Um, as the improvements of the uh, Orville Convention Center are continuing, um, we are coming to the point to where we need to paint the exterior of the building. Um, with that, there is a mural of the old time fiddlers that was painted on the exterior of the building in 2003. Um, there is also a plaque that was dedicated in 2004. Um, but like the exterior condition of the building, the condition of the mural too has been declining over the years. Um, at this point, staff would like to recommend painting over the mural and then working with the Arts Commission in the future um, or at a later date to commission a new mural um, potentially for the facility uh, on the another wall or even the same wall. So I'd like to request council. Do we have any questions from the public on this item? Mr. Mayor, I do not have any public speaker cards for item 7. Do we have any questions from this dais? Having none, I'm looking for a motion to authorize staff to paint over the mural. That's time the building is repainted and coordinate with the Arts Commission to repaint a new mural and dedication of old-time Fiddler's plaque. So moved. Second. Motion carries with seven yeses and zero noes. Moving on to item number eight, alternative plan for increased fire protection services. Good evening, Mr. Mayor and Council. What you have before you tonight for your consideration is an alternative plan that's been provided by community members uh, to the city for an alternative to contracting out services to Cal Fire, but to continue the services through the Orville Fire Department um, and enhancing the um, ability of the Orville Fire Department. What the proposal su uh, suggests to the city is that we should add to our current coverage by adding a volunteer program. A volunteer program would be uh, 18 volunteers that would be recruited from the community to augment services within the Oroville Fire Department and to help deliver those services in times of emergency, but also to help cover shifts that are left vacant or available um, because of vacation, um, empty shifts, uh, employment issues that uh, individuals may have, whatever the reason may be, but they will help cover those shifts. So we're suggesting to add a uh, volunteer program. The second part of the program would be to pay for the services that are currently being rendered by CAL FIRE in the Thermolito area. Uh, that is a number that was provided that was uh, extrapolated out and added to this. The third element of this would be to add new softwares to the Orville Fire Department to enhance their ability for people to um, enter in their property address with specific issues that may be there, but also the software would be one that would allow people to, um, or allow our firefighters to more accurately enter in pre-plans and things like that so they're more prepared when they do show up at the a working structure fire or a rescue or something like that. With that, I'd like Jackie, just if you could, Jackie, show us a couple videos on this software. They're about a minute each, so it won't take horribly long.
first view platform provides you actionable data on every structure for every call, so your team is always prepared for any incident. Community Connect is a crucial part of making this a reality. With Community Connect, your residents will securely share information about their household that will aid first responders and emergency personnel when responding to an incident at their home. So how does it work? Your residents first access a link promoted on your website, Facebook page, and other social media outlets, all directing them to your Community Connect landing page, educating them as to what Community Connect can provide in terms of value, features, and security. Next, they will create an account, validate their email address, and add their details and home address. Afterward, they will be able to easily add information about what matters most, including property information, residential contacts, information about residents with functional needs, and even pets. Once that data is added into the resident side, it's immediately made available to you and your team when responding to an incident with alert tiles so you can easily access critical information about the property and its occupants. FirstDo makes rolling out Community Connect to your residents a breeze by providing a best practices guide to every customer, which includes a resident-facing landing page, press release templates, outreach strategies, and media engagement guide. Hi, I'm Emily from the Oribe team. At First Do, we're completely reimagining pre-incident planning by leveraging data from the assessor, GIS, the building department, internal systems like RMS and fire prevention, open data from Esri and Socrata, and even social media. First Do provides pre-plans on every single location in your response area, even residential. When you're responding to a residential structure fire, First Do gives you a dashboard with the information you need. You will immediately know this is a single-family home that was built in 1940 and remodeled in 1980. You'll see it has balloon frame construction based on the year the home was built, that there is a fireplace, and that the building is brick construction. All critical information is included, down to the fact that this home has a residential passenger elevator. You'll also have quick and easy access to a property sketch and photos from the assessor. First Do gives you all of this on every structure in your response area with no work from your team within weeks of coming on board. And it's not only on residential. For commercial structures, we have incredibly comprehensive information that helps us from a pre-planning perspective. For example, we know that this is a nursing home. We have a hazardous material notification coming from statewide Tier 2 data sources, caution notes coming directly from CAD, and premise warnings from RMS. We see the type of building construction and even know that there are solar panels at this location. This intelligence helps us accelerate our own internal pre-planning by providing us base information on every single structure, instantly adding to our pre-planning ISO points. First Do is completely reimagining pre-incident planning by providing you data on every structure in your response area, no matter how small or large your jurisdiction. Mr. Mayor, that is, uh, and Council, that is very robust software. Chief Tins and I have seen a presentation of that. It is a very good program. It's something that, regardless of what the Council um, decides, this is probably software we should still consider for our community because it is a very robust and very informative piece of software that all firefighters can use. The fourth part of the plan would be to outsource our current dispatch center um, for fire to the EEC um, provided by the county. Then that would be... Um, 
eliminating two fire positions or two dispatch positions and sending those out to the county um, or Cal Fire Dispatch Center to dispatch fire services in the city of Orville. Um, with that, what that would do for our fire services, that would uh, change our current level of service from 18 firefighters to 36 fire personnel, 18 being volunteer. It's believed that this uh, program may in enable our ISO rating to improve from a three to a two, and it provides twice the level of service that is proposed by the CAL FIRE contract as stated in the paperwork that was provided by the group. With that, um, I, um, I, will be, I will try to answer whatever questions that I can for you on this. Do we have any questions from the public on this item? Mr. Mayor, I do have several speakers on this item. Um, the first speaker is Linda Draper. Oh, there we go. I'm hoping that this council will really carefully consider option three, this hybrid thing. Um, it might be the best compromise, you know, and in government, compromise mm -hmm. is really the way to go, not this my way or the highway business. And I would like to mention, too, that we all voted for Measure U with the understanding that that money was going to go to support our police and fire departments and fix the roads, okay? So I'm still hoping that you guys will do the right thing and use some of that surplus you've got for our police and fire. And with the climate changing, temperatures are going through the roof all across the country. I think it was 114 in Seattle a couple days ago, 112 in Portland. There is not going to be any respite. We've got six-month-long summers, which is a six-month-long fire season. And so we need a local fire department that can get here and get here fast. And um, I think that uh, it would be really a help for the city if you guys vote to do that. And the other thing I, I wanted to mention because I got cut off last time was that there is an election coming up in just a little over a year. And people may not be down here, you know, with pitchforks, but they have long memories. And some of us like to remind them. And so we are hoping that you will do the right thing and keep all this in mind. Thank you. Our next speaker is Steve Terry. Uh, by the way, the, uh, the other thing that the hybrid plan does seek to do is to reimburse Butte County Fire, Cal Fire, about, yes, it's around 540 thousand dollars for the extra uh, runs that they're making on behalf of the city. So it does seek to do that, which would answer one of the other questions. Um, a couple things I want to point out about this. One of the things that's been stated through this is we would go through, we would go from being a fire department of 18 to have over 500 firefighters. And, and that sounds all well and good. But the problem here is just through the fireworks show at, at, at the airport the other day, it's kind of common knowledge that Cal Fire was having trouble finding engines to help out at that fireworks show. Well, 
I thought that wasn't supposed to happen. I have unlimited resources. Well, we have fires burning. They're thinned out, as they should be, but they're thinned out. That means that just like we've said going along, just because CAL FIRE comes on board doesn't mean we won't get thinned out and doesn't mean we won't get stuck. I do have a question for you. Has CAL FIRE selected a chief yet for Orville? I, I know you can't answer, but rumor has it that it has. And the one thing I want to tell you is in the fire, in the fire department, there's really nothing safe. Uh, anyone's member of the fire department, we hear stuff. It usually turns out to be true or a good portion of it. And I'll tell you, if it's true, then I have a few questions. Why has it been done without council input? That would be my first question. Why hasn't it been done in accordance with city charter? Because it's supposed to be a council that appoints the fire chief. And why has it been done before the community meetings and before this meeting tonight? Because right now, the way it kind of appears is this deal has kind of been a bunch of backroom shenanigans. And our next speaker is Michael Brown. Council, uh, thank you. Appreciate your attention looking at fire protection. I also voted for Measure U. I'm a proponent of consolidated fire protection because of the level of service it provides. This third alternative is contrary to what the Town of Paradise, the City of Biggs, the City of Gridley, and Butte County have done with Cal Fire for a total of about 150 fiscal years. It's a model that might work in Riverside County where the county takes the lead and has leverage over the cities to force them into a CAL FIRE agreement if they want to be part of the co-op. In Butte County, it's up to you to negotiate for yourself with CAL FIRE. This third alternative is probably a boat with a hole in it. I can't imagine what's in it for CAL FIRE. With 600 calls, that's enough for a fire engine, a new fire engine, a new station somewhere else in the county. I think 600 call is more than uh, the Richvale engine, the Bangor engine, probably a couple others go to in a year. You, you might be putting your foot in a bear trap by trying to come up with a third alternative to contract with Butte County instead of Cal Fire, and that's how this appears. I like the idea of volunteers. I've been a volunteer myself for the city of Gridley and for Butte County and for CDF. I was a student firefighter in a reserve program but you're not gonna get 18 that are gonna meet the qualifications to ride along on your fire engine. It's just not gonna happen. Were you in a consolidated program now and there were a fire here, within 10 minutes you'd have 17 professional firefighters. Coincidentally, that's what your consultant told you it takes to fight a fire in a home. I think you're barking up the wrong tree looking at this third alternative. If you want ISO to improve, task any chief you have. Thank you, Mr. Brown. Our next speaker is Annie Terry. Um, I appreciate the opportunity to um, address the council tonight. Um, our family no longer has a dog in the show. My husband is no longer um, volunteering for the city as a firefighter. So we no longer have a dog in the show. So I want to bring that up. 
Um, the other thing I'd like, so we're doing this because we think it's a wrong idea to go with CAL FIRE. That's the reason he spoke up, and that's the reason I'm speaking up. I myself feel that it's a bad idea. Um, as my understanding is, with this hybrid plan, they wouldn't be volunteers. They would be reserve firefighters. So it's not untrained personnel who may or may not be able to um, cut the mustard, as it were, but they're actually trained firefighters who are doing this um, for a lower pay, but in order to make sure that the city of Oroville's needs are met and to earn a little bit of extra money at a lower rate of pay. That's my understanding, so it's not the same as a volunteer. Um, I don't like the idea, and maybe I'm misunderstanding something, but I don't like the idea of feeling like we're being threatened. Um, um, threats to me, um, it's, it's one of those things my mama always said, um, and I won't use the words that my mother used, <laughs> but my mother always said that when someone is being passive-aggressive, it's chicken something. Um, and um, I, I don't like the idea of feeling threatened that somehow we're not going to be assisted or aided by any other agencies because um, the city would dare to make a change and to um, make their own decisions regarding this. Thank you for the opportunity to speak this evening. Mr. Mayor, our last speaker is Bobby O'Reilly. Hello, thank you once again. Sorry that I cut out the last time. I do see that we're still down to two minutes. I'd ask that that be raised uh, so that we, the community, can give our input without having to rush. Uh, I do find it awesome and uh, very odd at the same time that I'm going to 100% have to agree with uh, Linda Draper on the situation, and that being that uh, we need to explore options. The, the uh, Okay, with that said, my understanding after the last council meeting is that the city would be contracting with Butte County Fire, who is contracted with Cal Fire, and, and that's the way that I understand it and what was said at the last meeting. So the first thing first is the, one of the major issues of this whole situation is all of the information is not being put out there as it should. Therefore the frustration and the confusion as to what's really going on. Some of us didn't know that this was a contract or looking at a contract with Butte County Fire because the whole thing that's been said from the start of this whole process has been with CAL FIRE. It's been said with CAL FIRE. So I'd just like to say if we can, let's get the correct information out there. As uh, Annie said, it's not a bunch of volunteers that don't know their their head from their rear side running around. It's reserve uh, personnel who are experienced um, and also individuals who who have uh, a want to get into it and they want to get trained too. So uh, with that said, I applaud the uh, council for looking into this option. I ask that the city finally give the fire department a chance, give it an opportunity and actually invest in our local department. I hope that I get a thank you as well. Bye-bye. Mr. Mayor, that is the last public speaker on this item. Okay, are there any comments or questions from this dais? Councilmember Riggs. 
Thank you. Uh, I have a number of questions, so I'm going to try to narrow it down to my most important questions. On the proposal, the estimated contracted price, again, estimated, is 537000 Is that a estimation um, based on the makers of this proposal, or is that an adequate estimation from Cal Fire or Butte County Fire? This five hundred and thirty-seven thousand was used, or what was came up with using the formula provided by the uh, submitters of this proposal. And do we have a concept or idea of what might appropriate might be appropriate from Butte County Fire or Cal Fire on what that number would be? The number that I have been provided is an unofficial number, but the number that I've been provided is it's closer to one point two million dollars. Oh, okay. Um, what about? Okay, so one of the general plans is to annex the Thermalito area. Do we know what effect that might have? If we were to annex the Thermalito area, we'd become financially responsible for providing fire service there. Depending on which direction the council decided to go, if the council decided to do the CAL FIRE contract, we would have to pay additional dollars for providing fire service to that area because we'd be collecting the property tax for the area. If we went with the hybrid plan, we would have to look at how are we going to provide service in that area and potentially look at the build out of our fire department into the west side of town. Okay. Uh, my last question is I would be really interested in the reserve program from Red Bluff. I actually have a friend who um, is a part of that reserve program in Red Bluff and really enjoys it. And so my, I guess my questions are how do they administer that and do we know what kind of numbers and um, what kind of um, participation they have in that program and what the annual budget is for administering that program. I do not have the numbers for what they expend each year to administer that program. I think Chief Tins may be able to answer some questions operationally about that because I believe he did visit um, Red Bluff and get some information on that program. Okay, thank you. As far as the other numbers, I would like a more official, if we moved forward with this, if, for me to feel comfortable with that, some things I would like to see is the more official number with Butte County Fire and what that um, contract piece would be for those extra calls. Well, this is a piece of information, too, that was shared with me from uh, CAL FIRE representatives. Are They're not interested in this um, alternative. Um, they are not interested in doing dispatch. They are not interested in um, this type of a plan. They either want to provide the service or they want to stay out of it. Mm -hmm. I hope that answers that question. Okay, thank you. But now on to Red Bluff. Yeah, so good evening, Mayor, um, Council. Uh, a couple months ago, I got to visit the Red Bluff Fire Department and their chief, discuss it, review their program. Um, I have it. I, I don't have it with me tonight. But um, operationally, um, they make minimum wage which is roughly around $16 an hour, and they're required to work a minimum set of hours, which we could we could make that up however we would like as long as they wouldn't exceed 1,000 hours per year, obviously. Um, and they're recruited through the local fire academies. So the, the fire department would send representatives out to, to speak um, at their academies and try to recruit. And typically it's people that are looking for jobs, looking for experience, have the credentials to come into an entry-level position, um, we would have to provide um, s uh, some small additional training, um, but they come out with quite a bit of the minimum qualifications for an entry-level firefighter and some, obviously, personal protective equipment. Thank you. 
Uh, I guess my last comment is just I really appreciate the community members and Councilmember Pittman for uh, coming up with this third concept. I think it's always important uh, to not be faced with only two options, but to really explore all of our options. So thank you for that. Councilmember Pittman. <clears throat> yeah, thank you. Um, and staff, appreciate your presentation. I really enjoyed the, the um, additional new software that would help the department provide better services community in terms of level of service and direct service to the individual homeowner. I think it's the outstanding concept. Um, one of the things that we have to respond to in this community is the number of homeowners that are losing their fire insurance. And for us to sit here and do nothing is absolutely irresponsible. Uh, at least the alternative plan takes a step in the right direction to improve our fire service the best we can in the hopes that the insurance companies will respect that and see that we're talking about having more per personnel in the fire engine and responding. Um, so I think that's the responsible part about this plan. Uh, and to change the ISO rating, if the insurance company will take that, that's, that's great. That's the only step that we can do. I mean, we can't write policies for our homeowners. We don't have that ability. But we do have the ability and the financial responsibility to, find, to fund the best and the cheapest fire protection we can for our community. So uh, with that, I know there's a number of numbers in here that are guesstimates. Mm -hmm. um, I would like to give um, direction to staff to firm down the guesstimates and specifically the reimbursements to Butte County Fire, um, what that would be for those calls that happen inside the city uh, for what we call Station 63. Uh, I'd also like to see the dispatch costs uh, as we have contracted dispatch services before in the past. Um, and also a narrowing down of the reserve volunteer fire program. I also attended that meeting with the chief in Red Bluff. And not only that, I've had many conversations with the council members in Red Bluff. And they have very positive uh, comments about that, res that reserve firefighter program to their constituents, their community. They have not the same level of communication from the homeowners about losing fire insurance. So it, to me, it's not a new idea program. It's uh, using, and if I will, copy in a program that's very successful in another community. I don't see why we can't go down the same path. Um, I would like the staff, given the direction, to firm up the numbers so that the public has a fair idea of what we're talking about. Uh, I'll admit I worked on a number of the numbers, and those are just sheer guesstimates. Um, we don't even know what the imbalance is between the county's uh, station at uh, Nelson Avenue and the calls in the city. Um, the number 600 is the best guess that was given to make this number to do the mathematics of it. It might be less, it might be more, I don't know. But I think it's fair to ask our staff to make communications with um, Butte County Fire, Cal Fire, and find out what those numbers are so that we can reimburse appropriately. The reimbursement would be to the County of Butte. They have a contract with CAL FIRE for services. And um, I would hope the supervisors would be accepting of the dollar amount. I, I can't imagine them not being. Um, as far as if they're not interested in dispatch costs or doing dispatch for us, I'm not sure that's their call. Hmm. They're state employees. They work for the state of California. We had dispatch services before. I'd be curious about how their decision-making tree is on that. So if that's their case, I'd like to see that in letter form so that we know what we're talking about. 
because I have a few uh, state representatives I'll be talking to about that. That's all I have is just the request that staff be given the time, adequate time, to get some real solid numbers so that you, the public, know what we're really talking about. As I will admit, these are guesstimates. These are not, they may not be true numbers, up or down, either way. And you, the public, need to know what the numbers really are. That's my request. Council Member Smith. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. A um, couple of observations and then a question potentially for Chief Tens. Uh, several weeks ago, probably now a month or two ago, uh, we had a Measure U workshop, and at that workshop, you presented about all of the training that is just a necessity in modern uh, emergency services, firefighting. You were, I think, making a very eloquent, actually, case uh, for uh, the need for deeper levels of service, uh, additional training, even for our own uh, department, to really adequately provide uh, quality, you know, protection for our community. Um, and so, and, and then I, I did some research on the volunteer slash reserve. By the way, in this presentation, the term reserve and volunteer is used interchangeably. Just, I know there was a comment about that. Um, and so, uh, so it's, it looks like it's kind of a, um, a hybrid of that concept as well. But uh, so looking at that and then looking into some of the challenges with that type of a program in a city setting, I mean, in a rural setting where it's more of a wildland fire and you have volunteer or um, uh, reserves, you know, so the dynamics are different. Again, I by no stretch present myself as knowing much about how to deal with, you know, modern fire suppression. That's not my world at all. But just reading that and understanding the complexities of that, the necessity of adequate and appropriate training. Uh, I, I mean, I have some concerns about, as a city, laying a lot of, um, of our reliance on that type of a program for a city area, rural outlying areas, and or as I see, understand it, volunteers or reservists are great for help, training, joining schools, those kinds of things to help helps take some, alleviate some of the stress off of the local department. So I, I'm just kind of perhaps some curious about your kind of feeling about that, uh, that dynamic. Um, and then an additional concern, looking at this hybrid proposal, and we saw an amazing presentation of the software, uh, the two different software programs. Um, and I think it's awesome. I mean, I think we certainly need to consider that. However, Oroville currently has service provided by three different fire agencies. We have El Madeo, which is not fully functioning at this time, of course, OFD, and then Cal Fire, who uh, it provides all uh, um, calls of service north of the Feather River. So in that, I'm not quite sure how we would, if, if it was OFD, for an example, and we, city council, we were to elect to purchase this program for our fire department, it would seem that it potentially El Madeo would be left out of that loop if they were to continue or to, to reconstitute themselves. So we would have South Oroville and the city limits potentially without that program. And then I, I don't know if Cal, would Cal Fire use that program in, within their jurisdiction. Uh, and so to me, it, it's created, for me, well, far more questions than answers. The, I, I get if we do it here, but it would seem to me potentially potentially, that we would have a disparity of levels of service throughout our city. If you're north of the river, you don't get the advantage of that amazing program, if 
that's something Cal Fire doesn't take advantage of, and potentially El Madeo. So I, I see we're already creating haves and have-nots, potentially. So I think that would absolutely have to be addressed because that would be, uh, that would be a no-go for me. I could never go for we provide one level of service for one part of the city, but if you live over here, you don't get that. That's a problem, um, potentially. Um, and then the, on the ISO, on the ISO uh, dynamic, I've done Excuse some calling. Me. Quiet in the council and the chambers, please. And again, this is more a, perhaps a question that you can answer or maybe help with some understanding with the ISO. I've talked to uh, insurance agents. I've talked to insurance agents who have personally lost their um, insurance for their homeowners because of the dynamics that all of us are facing. I think climate change was brought into this discussion. You know, And historically, California, all the way back to the 1800s, we've gone through tremendous droughts. I mean, drought is you know, no stranger to our state. Um, and man-made climate, is that an impact? I don't know. Probably. Uh, we're told that it is. Uh, but we do know this, that um, we have challenges. And obviously things have changed in our state. Obviously fire is a huge deal. Um, when it comes to the ISO rating, when it comes to how that works, whether it's by zip code or uh, do they Google map and look down, oh, you got a lot of trees around your house. We don't think we're going to cover you. However they're doing that, um, it, it, as I look into it, no one seems to have a, a real concrete answer. No one can say, this is, this, this is how we determine your ISO rating. You know, I asked the question, if we went with a, de a deeper level of service with CAL FIRE, would that enhance our ISO rating. I don't know. Uh, if we had a great investment with OFD and we had a more robust management program with tree trimming and, and real heavy-handed, um, um, you know, programs within a city, you know, imposing upon our citizens to ensure that all the vegetation is removed. I mean, what, what, what would that take to get that rating from a three to a two or from a two to a one? And I cannot get a straight answer from anybody. It'd be wonderful to know how, how all that's worked out. How is that determined to make a qualified, intelligent decision about something so uh, you know, fundamental to the protection of our community? Man, we have to have good information, and it just seems to be lacking, even in my attempt to call around, asking questions. I mean, maybe you have some insight uh, to some of these things. But So the, uh, the program, you know, would there be disparity potentially there, ISO rating? And then depth of service. I'm kind of throwing a whole lot at you, but but I think these are really important for us to to make a qualified decision with all that's before us. This is a, a complex, in my opinion, very complex in some ways. So thank you. So I'm gonna I'm gonna try to remember it all. So stop me. <laughs> um, so I think the first question was based around training provided to the reserve. Yeah, position. measure you when you're making that presentation. Yeah, so they would go through the same training that's already implemented, already in place, that we put probationary employees through already. They go through uh, an admin introduction to where they'd be introduced to our systems and everything that, that we produce and provide right now for an entry-level firefighter straight out of academy would really be no difference. We have those programs in place. We have state-qualified training officers. We have, training, we have a training chief, um, and captains assist with that too. So they would follow... The, I mean, they have to know our equipment just as much as any other firefighter on there. I mean, they're going to be working, or they would be working on a piece of equipment as a firefighter um, and supplementing our low staffing levels. 
So as far as providing training, they would they would receive the same training that our probationary firefighters do. Essentially, it may be more of a hybrid. We'd have to meet, put that together. We just haven't looked into it. But I think that would be a good starting point. That the same instructors that, that train our new guys would, would train those guys as well. Um, it'd probably be a, extended a lot longer because they're not going to work as many hours as we do. I just have one question, and if I can add one more element to that. So a lot of this EMS type of service, which most of your calls are not fire, they're, you know, traffic accidents uh, in medical emergencies. And so when seconds count literally for someone's life, and, you're, and we rely more heavily on a volunteer um, pro, or this type of program, how, how does that work when it comes to those seconds counting if, you know, Joe's at work or, you know, everyone's, it's just different when guys or gals are in a firehouse and they're ready. I mean, they're jumping on that call. How, how does that work exactly? They work a shift just like a normal firefighter, 24 hours, obviously not to the full extent, as I said. But they're working under direct supervision just like a, a full-time career firefighter would be under you know the supervision of a captain. And above them, obviously, would be the duty chief. So they're not going to be operating by themselves at all. They'll, they'll work under direct supervision. So that's more of a reserve. You're talking about a reservist thing where they have a lower rate of pay and and, and that yeah, they thing. wouldn't research. They wouldn't receive. I mean, it would depend on you know how we wanted to move forward with it. But I mean, we would obviously probably suggest you know no benefits. It's a simple paycheck. They're not going to work enough hours to receive. That's where some savings would be for personnel. So they're 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 really only receiving a a paycheck. Okay. For hours worked, and then um, everybody would benefit from increasing our staffing levels rather it would be in kelly ridge plermo thermalito city of orville elmadeo's district um, we assist them all the time they assist us all the time so um, if there was a structure fire in, in kelly ridge and they wanted one of our engines mutual aid or auto aid to go up in a system if there was four people on that rig and one of them or two of them were reserved they would go up and, and assist so there'd be a better level of service just by adding some additional people. Um, the people on the other side of the river would, in the city limits obviously, would benefit from that as well. Um, on that side of the river, 63 provides an auto aid. There's an auto aid agreement. So they send a first due resource. That resource is dispatched. There's a call place from our dispatch center to Cal Fire's ECC requesting an engine auto aid only because they're closer. They're a closer resource, and it's agreement we have, and I, it's the right thing to do is to send the, the closest resource. We don't send ours because they're closer. Now, if there's anything that's a multi-engine response, they're going to receive city services in addition with an auto aid engine, just like if it was on Montgomery Street downtown. We would send three engines, a duty chief, and then a CAL FIRE engine would come auto aid and assist us. It's the same thing in the, in the county. So the they receive on the north side of the river that side of the river they receive engines because for medical aids because they're just the closest resource that's why we send them um i'm trying to think from there well the, the uh, so the software program oh the so, software program yeah. yeah so it's there's a lot to explain with that it's it's beneficial not only to the fire department but for the community it involves the community that's what we want to do it allows people to get online get on our website on our website or facebook page or whatever click a link and they can enter you know any kind of information they want to enter and um, if we get dispatched to a call at that location where that information has been entered when we show up we have that information that they wanted us to have if there's a non-ambulatory patient or an aggressive dog 
or you know maybe they reload their their weapons and they have you know, you know a lot of ammunition in their house you know they can put that kind of information it gives us a heads up and also the outside pictures of the house we can be visually looking at a house and know the 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 format of it the layout of it before we even get there um Essentially, this system would replace a lot of what we already have in play, and it consolidates everything into one. So, you know, they have reporting systems that we utilize. They have um, staffing programs that we utilize, and we we could mold all that together into one one system. And how would that play with El Madeo and then our Cal Fire? How, how would that work? I mean. I understand, and I think it's great. So I mean, it's an amazing. I mean, I I would feel better about knowing that when you guys are responding to an emergency at my house, that you have that additional information. I mean, that's great. But how how would that then inter interact with those other those other agencies? We would just provide them a, a login access. So then they would be able to access yeah. that as well. It, there may be a cost associated with it because right now, currently, uh, Butte County Cal Fire surrounding stations have access into our reporting system. If they run a city call. There's a report generated in the city reporting system. We would allow the same thing for that. The, the alerting systems we have now, so if dispatch sends us to a call, it alerts our phones, it alerts our tablets in the engines, it gives us mapping systems, it, we can track resources and where they're at. This is all the same thing. We could allow them to have access to that. And then can you give us any light on the ISO rating? <laughs> yeah. How does that work? Yeah. Who's pulling those strings? ISO is pulling them, the insurance company. I mean, I've personally had my insurance canceled, in this, and I live in the city limits in a regular <laughs> residential area. This, this, so. this wouldn't have anything to do with how the insurance companies themselves are tiering systems to where insurance rates are going up or they're getting dropped at all. This, would, this along with the reserve-slash-firefighter or reserve-slash-volunteer program, would obviously give us additional points for an increased level of service more firefighters. So, I mean, the, the type of tools that we carry on our ladder trucks, the, the type of gear, how many ladders we have, how much hose we carry, you know, what equipment staffed, water systems, there's a lot of stuff. I would be happy to share the reports that we do when we do that. I think uh, ISO rating of, of three for um, our size of department is actually really well. Um, but I, I do believe that, yeah, it would help. I, I couldn't stand here and, and tell you it's going to be a two for sure without, you know, actually doing the report and sending it off, and, and they'll grade us. Because when that. I asked one agent, what would it take, what can we do as a city to improve that ISO rating? And he said it's Sacramento. I mean, it's, essentially, it's, I mean, that's what, it's in San Francisco, what, he, yeah. was, what yeah, he was saying. Yeah, it's in San Francisco, uh -huh. and I've dealt with them, and um, I would be happy to share a report with council or anybody, and they can go through and, and see how, you know, our plates and how we keep our plates in the station and how we document our training and our reports and, you know, stuff like that. So Thank you. It's very, very in-depth. So, but I do, I do have a meeting with Mercury Insurance July 8th regarding this topic, um, and hopefully we can shed some light, maybe help out. I've been working on this. What can we do? What services can we provide as a department to help our community mm -hmm. out and stop losing their homeowner's insurance or raising it? But um, it should be informational. We're going to get together and talk. And yeah, I know mine's more that. than doubled, personally. It got canceled, yeah. had to shop, and then doubled. And we're all in that boat. I mean, every one of us feels the pinch. So whatever we can do, you know, yeah. by all means. Absolutely. Yeah. Councilmember Pittman. Yeah, thank you. That was a long question, but a lot of good information. And I'd also add that uh, the ISO rating is, 
is a very a large percent of it is fire department and manning of the fire department because if you look at a class one that means you got six firefighters on every fire engine that goes everywhere in your community and that that obviously is probably a very few amount of departments in the in the nation but it also is the water system what kind of water system do you have the reliability of that water system and can they deliver the required fire flow so it's a complex issue uh, we happen to have a very good water system in this community, and I believe it's either 40 or 50 percent of the points are credited toward just the water system alone. So we need to work with our water delivery companies here to make sure they're up to speed on that topic, which you know we can obviously do. But um, the ISO is a complex, but at the same time, it's our best way to answer that question for our community. Um, and then, as the chief mentioned, working with the insurance companies to find out what is their what is their tip-over point so we can make it safe for our community? Because the alternative to this is homes being canceled, fire insurance, and not being able to have your community have a decent residential area, which is just not acceptable. That's just bizarre. But I, I personally had lost the fire insurance on my own home, and I live in the city, and uh, it was not easy to get anything. It's been very expensive, and I agree with Councilman Smith. This council's got to look at that. And that's that's one of the topics. And I appreciate the presentation on the software. I think that's um, the level of service this community deserves. Frankly, we should we should be providing that level of service. That that, and I believe it could also be shared with the police department. Is that accurate? I would have to confirm with with Nicholas, but I believe so. Our our game plan with beginning to research this is sharing that that important vital information not only with with fire but with law enforcement and dispatch you know they're put in situations also and obviously i'm not a law enforcement officer but i would imagine being able to see the layout of a commercial building or a residential where somebody could be barricaded just as if there was a fire in a house somewhere uh, and and to have that information before we arrive at scene or you know stand outside pre-plan and and come up with a good plan in, it, in the video it showed that their data mining was very wide and um, in terms of county records, city records, building permits, all kinds of different records. At this date and time, do we have any data mining that is done to that level in no. terms of finding that information about our residents and our community? None whatsoever. Not even close. Thank you. Appreciate the presentation. Thank you. Are there any other comments from the dives? I've got a couple questions of Vice Mayor Thompson. Thank you so much. I appreciate the uh, looking into this from uh, Councilman Pittman and, and our citizens. Now you can sit, be seated. I don't have any questions for you. Thank you, sir. Mm -hmm. But um, for me, just to, to put the brunt of the need in our community for public safety and for, for firefighters, on the shoulders of volunteer or uh, reserve firefighters and to at some degree believe that that it would be equal to uh, the service that we could potentially get through Cal Fire based on at this point what just appears to be more of a hope and a guess to keep um, what we have I just don't think it's, for me, a, a wise decision to to put the weight of what we need on reserve 
firefighters and then on top of that to add the training and then uh, you know I've I've been talking to businesses around town and from what I hear across the board from everybody is that it is really hard to get employees uh, for more than minimum wage so um, you know this is on the the basis of the hope I guess or the plan of getting 18 firefighters or potentially new uh, volunteer trainee reserves or whatever you might call them to come in and work for minimum wage. I just don't see it that necessarily <laughs> happening, especially in a day when I know um, great jobs who are looking to hire and have been looking to hire. In fact, the city of Orva have been looking to hire for uh, positions well over minimum wage, and we are having a hard time finding uh, employees. So anyway, that's, that's my comments. Uh, thank you, uh, Vice Mayor. I appreciate your comments, too, and I certainly share the concern about getting staff or employees. you got to remember, these reserve volunteer firefighters are not full-time employees. These are part-time folks that have a strong interest in the fire service and want to participate and offer their service to the city, but they would get at least a reasonable amount of compensation for their time invested. They're only asked to do roughly 48 hours of time a month on a calendar that's open to them. So it's not a restricted time factor for them. So they can find the time they can, whether it's evening shift, day shift, whatever the case may be. Uh, as far as where to find them, I think that we could even have the, the 22 that work for Red Bluff would love to come here. There's no reason not to hire the 22 from Red Bluff because they are, most of the folks that work for Red Bluff don't even live there. They just want the experience in a fire department to come and have that knowledge and skills and abilities that they can get from actual work experience so yeah it's reasonable to say how many you would get but we'll never know until we try Amen. that's my point i think we'll never know until we try so my motion would be to uh, direct staff to get some firm numbers on the suggestions in this proposal and actually know what we're talking about because like i mentioned before these are only projections these are not solid numbers we need to have a conversation with anyone and everyone concerned so we can get solid numbers for the community to understand this. I'd like this to idea. amend that motion. So I'm going to comment. Um, your, your motion's noted, sir, and I'm amending it. Um, Mr. Legron, I have some questions for you. Um, aren't all of these things that were presented to us included in the CAL FIRE contract? Dispatch um, a reserve slash volunteer, uh, be more of a volunteer program from CAL FIRE, um, are both included in the alternate or the CAL FIRE, Butte County CAL FIRE contract. It's a service that they provide that would be included underneath that contract. And has now, I've, in hearing this proposal, I understand a lot of this is reliant on their involvement. Uh, has any, I, I believe you said a while ago you've spoken to CAL FIRE? I have spoken with a representative of CAL FIRE who um, essentially they are either going to be all in or all out. So they're not interested in this? Correct. Okay. And then as far as the ISO, I, I've spoken with two insurance brokers that 
said no way, shape, or form would it would any of this affect the ISO. So I'm I'm not an insurance expert. I asked experts, so it's not my opinion. I'm just merely stating what they said. But my question would be: You said there was four options on this item. There are four different elements to this item. One would be paying for services out of uh, Station 63. The second would be additional software. The third would be a um, reserve slash volunteer program. And the fourth would be the uh, dispatch. dispatch center going, uh, being transferred to the EEC. Okay, well, my, my amended proposal is that since uh, the people that we would need to be involved uh, with this aren't on board with it. And, uh, and, and me having a business where I tried to hire people at $64 an hour and they would not come to work. I had to hire people from out of state. So I, I just don't see this being successful. So I'm going to amend the motion that we uh, direct staff to not pursue the alternative plan for increased fire protection. So technically, Mr. Mayor, if I could just sort of clarify as sort of the de facto parliamentarian, we've got a motion from Councilmember Pittman. You're actually making an, an, an alternative motion to that, not, not necessarily amending it. You're making an alternative motion. And uh, any other council member can second either one for further discussion or for a vote, but you're not technically amending his motion. You're putting forward an so alternative. So I'm making a second motion, and from what I understand, uh, the second motion will be voted on first. Uh, if they both receive a second, if they both receive a second, then yes. Okay. May I make my motion clear, just to repeat it? My simple motion is to uh, direct staff to narrow down the figures in the alternative idea so that we have accurate and accurate numbers and all four of the items requested. I second. Uh, I'll second the mayor's. Looking for a vote on which? Pursuant to, as, as uh, the council has adopted Rosenberg's rules of order, Rosenberg's rules of order outlines that the second motion that get you can have up to three at one time. The second motion or the the last motion gets voted on first, and then you move to the to the prior motions. So the first motion that would be voted on, Mayor, would be yours, since since that was the most recent one to come in with a second. And depending on the outcome of that one, then a vote on Councilmember Pittman's motion would be would be taken. Councilmember Riggs, you was to speak. Thank you. My question is, um, is there a timeline that we're under right now with the potential CAL FIRE contract that needs to be considered if we moved forward with um, the alternative idea? So if we moved forward with gaining more information, does that impose on the current progress moving forward with CAL FIRE? If the council wanted to see a contract go into place by next July, those decisions need to be made by August or September of this year. Would it be reasonable to for this council to have the figures ironed out from the alternative plan before that time? It's not a matter of reasonableness. It's a matter if that's what the council wants. We will deliver what you were told to deliver. 
I have a question. That's a Are nice you answer. Council <laughs> yeah. I, I have so. a question based on the um, information that you've been given. Is it reasonable to assume that you're going to be able to come up with uh, hard numbers in this time frame? Based upon the information that I have previously been provided, I'm not sure I'll be able to come up with numbers, but I will be able to come up with an answer um, one way or the other in uh, written format. Okay, if there are no more comments, I'm calling for a, a vote on my motion. Motion fails with five no's and two yeses. The second motion. And, and now we need to take, take a vote on Councilmember Pittman's motion. Which, can we clarify that one more time? Do I, I, just to have staff uh, validate the numbers and check the numbers in the in the guesstimates to, so we have real and true numbers from all concerned on all steps of that alternative. So I have a question. And my question is, I, I want to clarify and be very specific on those four. Is one of those items inclusive of the reimbursement um, yes, to, to Butte County. What I've written down is it's the cost of uh, Station 63 for reimbursement. Uh, I also have dispatch cost and the reserve program cost and a letter from um, the agency stating if they decline to provide service. And the volunteer firefighter program incorporates how many specific as presented number? In, as presented in this plan, it shows 18. All right. I have one more thing now. You said that you would deliver what we requested, so then my, I would also like to see what the projection would be if um, Thermalito was annexed into the city, what cover, what percent they might be covering as well. The, um, I, I understand what you're asking, but I really am hesitant to mix issues. Um, I, I can bring that as a, what I'll do is I'll bring it as a, an asterisk at the bottom so you can see what that would look like in the future. I will try to get those numbers from them and um, figure something out for you. Thank you. And just since it's a part of our general plan, I think it's yes, prudent that we follow that. And yes, before we go to vote, if I can also just say one thing. We're, I'm sorry, we're today. No, that's it. Okay. It's just um, there's a lot of things this, this council agrees on and just goes through smoothly. And it just, uh, the stuff that we disagree on, it just uh, gets delayed and delayed. <laughs> so I'm just for moving forward with whatever staying with OFD or staying or going with Cal Fire, but I think it's uh, important for this council to, um, we waited another couple weeks to, to have this plan here. And now if we move forward with this, then we're waiting for another couple weeks for a hope and for, for a hope of figures to come forward that would give us a better idea still on the basis that we would be assuming that we could get 18 new volunteers. Are we? Is there things That's that it. are not moving forward with the CAL FIRE agreement because of this delay? 
Well, until we get direction from the council, the next step in this process would be with the council is to adopt a resolution of, of application to LAFCO for the agreement. So until we have resolution to this, um, you know, we are probably, we are continuing to work on this and come to that resolution. Um, the one process that will be completed tomorrow was we will conduct some public meetings at 9 to 11 at the uh, Orville Civic Center and again tomorrow evening at 6 to 8 to try to uh, gather public input regarding uh, this the alternative proposal, the hybrid, the CAL FIRE proposal, and also the growth plan. So once we complete that, um, the next thing we're waiting on is for the council to give staff direction as to how you want to go. So I have one more thing to say. Councilmember Goods. And I believe that first and foremost, the people elected us to um, <clears throat> ensure that our, our city is safe and that it, the citizens and visitors and guests are protected. And so we are at a crossroads here, but um, the people also elected us to make a very well-informed and vetted decision, and this is what we're doing, and we need the community input before we put a John Hancock on anything. When are those community meetings again? They're going to be tomorrow at the Orville Civic Center at 9 to 11 in the morning and again at 6 to 8 p.m. in the evening. Thank you. I did know that. I was doing that for you guys. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> There's a vote. The motion carries with five yeses and two noes. Moving on to reports, discussions, correspondence, Mr. council announcements, and reports, please. Mr. 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 Mayor, I'm sorry, Mr. Mayor, if we could, could we go back to the public hearings? Now we have a public oh, hearing. Yeah. All right, at this time we will open the public hearing. Item number six, appeal of the April 22nd, 2021 decision of the Planning Commission to reject a conditional use permit for an off-premise outdoor advertising structure at 2775 Feather River Boulevard. Mr. Mayor, uh, as a um, councilperson, uh, Smith is recusing himself from this item because of his association with the chamber who has a contract with Stott Outdoor Advertising. Good evening, Mr. Mayor, council members, Connor Musler, assistant planner. This item is an appeal of the Planning Commission's April 22nd rejection of use permit UP21-03 for the construction of a new off-premise outdoor advertising structure at 2775 Feather River Boulevard. The applicant, Greg Redeker with Stott Outdoor Advertising, is seeking approval to construct a new 35-foot tall, 12 by 24 advertising structure. All off-premise signs, including billboards, require a use permit. At the April 22nd meeting, a motion was made and seconded to approve the item as agendized, which failed with a vote of four no's, two yeses, and one absent. The commission thus rejected a motion to approve the use permit, but did not actually deny the permit or make any associated findings. In arriving to their decision, the planning commission was concerned about the poor maintenance of existing landscaping on the property 
and aesthetics of off-premise outdoor advertising structures within the city. Staff notes that the proposed sign complies with Chapter 17.20 of the city's existing sign code, as well as the new sign code, which this body approved on June 15th. The sign would be located on the property so as to assure that it would not intrude or project beyond the public right-of-way. It would not be located within 500 feet of any other existing off-premise outdoor advertising structures. The maximum height allowed for off-premise outdoor advertising structures is 40 feet in this area, and the maximum allowed sign area is 300 square feet. The sign, as proposed, meets these requirements. Should the appeal be approved, the City Council must make the seven findings as required by OMC 17.48.010. Those findings are further detailed in your staff report. Staff recommends approval on this item. Commissioner Natalie Sheard is here to represent the Planning Commission, and Appellant Greg Redeker is here to represent Stott Outdoor <coughs> Advertising. Any questions? Thank you. Do you have any questions from the public on this side? Mr. Mayor, the only speaker cards I have are from the applicant and from the Planning Commission. Okay. Do they wish to speak? Yes. Um, I don't know if Planning Commission first. Uh, no, it's actually the the, the, the first is the applicant, okay. well, is the appellant okay. uh, up to 10 minutes, and then the, the Planning Commission can have up to 10 minutes, and then and then it goes back to the council. Thank you and good evening, and members of the city council. My name is Greg Redeker, and I am representing Stott Outdoor Advertising, the applicant and the appellant for this project. wanted to thank you for considering this project tonight. I also wanted to thank planning staff for the recommendation of approval. Uh, we have read the report. Uh, we have understood and agree to all of the conditions, and I'm just really here to answer any questions that you may have. <clears throat> Does any, anyone have any questions? Yeah. Councilmember Riggs. Thank you, Mayor. Um, I watched the Planning Commission meeting where you presented this item, and um, one of the concerns brought up was unattended or uncared um, for billboards. And so my question was, do you know about how many of your billboards aren't uh, currently under contract or about how many are vacant at any given time? I do not have the information with me. What I can say, though, is that all of Stott Outdoor Advertising signs are very well maintained. If we don't currently have a paying advertiser, we do have uh, something that will say, like, your ad here or advertise here. Uh, we don't have any signs that are just uncovered and have the sort of detritus of old previous signs. Uh, those are some of our competitors, particularly out front, uh, has a number of signs in the city limits, and their maintenance leaves a lot to be desired. Thank you. Any other questions? Councilmember Pittman. Yeah, I'm just... I'm looking at the report. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is this an electronic or a paper sign? This is a paper sign, a traditional static fixed sign. It will have, you know, a a light, you know, so that you can read it at night, but yeah. it is not an electronic sign. Thank you. Any other questions? I don't Thank you very much. much. Thank you. Natalie from the Planning Commission. Billboards are extremely effective advertising. They are large and brilliantly designed to capture your attention as they are forced into your view. 
This use permit is for a 288 square foot off-premise sign, which is 35 feet tall. It would be the only billboard on this section of South Feather River Boulevard between the historic Oroville and Chinese cemeteries, and the largest billboard on the entire South Feather River Boulevard. Besides the increased property income to the owner who would be placing the sign on their property, studies have shown that property values are decreased near billboards for the other neighboring businesses. Billboards also divert your attention away from the on-premise signage that is so important for our businesses along that corridor. A new billboard on South Feather River does not fulfill the community design goals in the 2030 general plan, which are, and I quote, to maintain and enhance the quality of Oroville's landscape, streetscape, and gateways. To encourage landscape features along our corridors, making them interesting, appealing, and inviting. To ensure that screening features located along Feather River Boulevard are appropriately designed and make a positive visual contribution to the corridor. To encourage the development and installation of unique gateway features and landmarks for our corridors in order to make them contribute to our sense of place. Billboards look the same all across America. Please consider, does adding another large billboard along this corridor accomplish these important goals? Would this billboard benefit the citizens and local businesses who reside on South Feather River Boulevard? Thank you. Are there any questions for the Planning Commission? Councilmember Pittman. Yeah, again, I want to thank the Planning Commission for doing some excellent work. I mean, it's not an easy job, so thank you to start with. Um, I see there's a number of conditions that were brought up. Are these conditions the Planning Commission would like to see toward this permit? If I remember they were discussed, but then I think in the end, I, don't, I, don't, I do not remember that they were a requirement for having it. He would probably know that. Thank you very much. More than I would. <laughs> The conditions that are within the resolution are pretty much identical to what was before the Planning Commission for their consideration. The only uh, difference is the poll cover. It was discussed at the Development Review Committee and Planning Commission whether a poll cover, which is the decorative sleeve around the support base, would be required. Um, since the Planning Commission did not deny that, uh, that resolution, that condition, it was determined based on the surrounding area. It's an industrial, commercial, that it was not uh, a necessary thing to add unless City Council uh, saw that it should be added back in, and that is a draft condition that is also added. Thank you. Do you have any questions for Connor? Looking for a uh, motion to adopt resolution number 8968. And Mr. Mayor, if I could, before before you 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 ask for motions, I, I do want to just advise the council of two things. One, I think it's appropriate to close the public hearing at this point and limit discussion among staff and council members. I think, although I think questions and comments are already done. Um, the other thing I want to mention to you is this is a de novo hearing. You do not have to follow the planning commission's um, guidelines. They may have suggested some things, not some other things. You, you, this is a, a new hearing. 
do you have the ability to um, you know to adopt whatever restrictions you'd like to impose in this instance um, you can and again you've got several options here but if there are any questions about what you've got the ability to do I just wanted you to understand this is a brand new hearing you're not limited by what was uh, what was determined by the Planning Commission although certainly you can take that as as their desire and their advice as to what they'd like to see right. well I make a motion that we stand with the Planning Commission and on their decision to reject this use permit I think that uh, our city has a lot of billboards and my vision for the city is not to look like a highway but a community and uh, I think that uh, uh, along with what the Planning Commission said, the vision for Orville, I, I don't see more billboards in our community is uh, meeting that vision. I second that. The motion fails with four no's and two yeses. And with that, we will close the public hearing. Mr. Mayor, you may want to um, seek an alternative motion. I mean, at this point, we're kind of at the same place where we started. Oh. I make a motion that we adopt resolution number 8968. I second. The motion passes with four yeses, two noes, and one absent. <laughs> okay. Reports, discussions, correspondence. Uh, does anyone from this council have anything to report? Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, if you all got a chance to uh, observe the uh, fireworks activities at the Orville Airport, I want to express thank you to all the many agencies that helped make that thing happen. Uh, of course, I also serve on the Rotary, but uh, that was just one of the facilitators. But we had uh, Orville Fire, Orville Police Department, Butte County Sheriff's Office, Butte Cal Fire, Butte County Fire. Um, I don't want to forget anybody, but I believe State Parks, uh, Fishing Game, uh, California Highway Patrol, uh, many, many agencies are helpful and need to have recognition and credit for making sure we had a safe and secure family event. And it's at this point, at this point, my understanding it was, in fact. And uh, obviously we have to thank our donators of the community because that's that every <coughs> firework was, the money was donated by someone, uh, whether it was a business or a from $5,000 all the way down to $10 from a private citizen. So I think that's a unique thing in any community, and I want to uh, recognize that to all the folks, and especially, again, the agencies, uh, well, the golf course, um, the uh, new F fixed base operator at the or Orville Airport, uh, Paul, help me with the last name. Armoral. Armoral, thank you. Um, Amaral. Amaral, thank you. <laughs> Armoral. <laughs> 
I want to make sure to mention that because it uh, was a community event. Uh, we're guessing around 10,000 at least circled the airport to watch. Uh, that's a guess, but that's a pretty good guess given the fact that we were all in a very large line waiting traffic-wise to get out of there that uh, <laughs> went about 45 minutes, I think. But again, I want to say it's an agency event that um, so many participate in and uh, you know, there's a pre-warning, pre-work before, the, the day of, and then the day after. So um, people like Recology bringing all the uh, waste totes out there and the portable bathrooms and all that, it's just a great event. And uh, I know from speaking from Rotary, we appreciate everyone's efforts to help out. And uh, it's one of those nice things about a community. We really get things done if we need to. So the celebration of the 4th of July is, uh, I think it's the 239th one of my math is correct but anyway that was great i just wanted to comment and thank all the agencies participating not 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 forgetting the orville chamber of commerce who coordinated all the fundraising thank you sir i'd like to comment on that as well i was there it was a uh i was there for the <coughs> fly-in and the fireworks and absolutely uh wonderful big difference from this year uh from last year last year was a little chaotic everybody was trying to put something together and, and uh, not really knowing which direction to go, but it, it turned out safe last year. But this year was much more organized, and, and I would like to, um, the facilitator of this fly-in and the, and the car show, and that is Gonzalo Peewee Curiel, and, and he puts his heart and soul into this community for, and doesn't collect a dime. So I would really like to give him uh, credit for everything he does, just absolute heart for the city. And the turnout was was phenomenal, the amazing uh, participation in the car show and the, the airplanes. He has, a, he has a lot of friends. So uh, uh, just thank you, Pee Wee. We appreciate everything you've done. And, uh, and to everyone that Councilmember Pittman had mentioned, I'm also a Rotarian and and uh, really appreciate, he spearheads this thing, and I appreciate all the hard work that Councilmember Pittman does, or Rotarian Pittman, as they'll <laughs> say, he has that hat. But um, Councilmember Smith. Yeah, I just wanted to just add to that. I just, Pee Wee is an, an amazing asset to this community, um, and I just wanted to thank him from the bottom, bottom of my heart, because if it wasn't for Pee Wee, uh, it would not have happened. Uh, he's the driver, really, yeah. So thank you, Pee Wee. I'm sure you're listening. And I just, just wanted to add those comments along with, uh, yeah, an affirmative on everything that's been shared. Thank you. No other comments from this council? Future agenda items? Having none? Administration reports, Mr. Legrone. Uh, I have none. I'm going to give my time to Mr. Lando. He has some information the council is going to be interested in. This is fairly complex, and uh, we'll be back to you. But <clears throat> the state has changed the rules on the California Environmental Quality Act. Oh. It used to be that you measured road improvements based on level of service. And so if a development was built and it needed more capacity, frankly, you built more roadway. Um, urban areas could not meet that standard. 
So what the state has done is they've changed the standard to vehicle miles traveled. And what that translates to is buses, bikes, and pedestrians, which you can visualize in San Francisco or you know, some of those outlying communities. Places in the valley simply cannot meet the standard. And the problem with that is that we have a number of home developers who'd like to build. In fact, we have some major commercial developers that are at least talking to the community. So what staff's gonna come back with for your consideration is updating our general plan and at the same time updating the related environmental impact report. For an individual to prepare an environmental impact report costs somewhere between 50,000 to millions, literally, with no exaggeration. Um, what we're proposing is if we can prepare one for a new general plan and have an overriding consideration which talks about the production of jobs and housing, we can then address this vehicle miles traveled. So I would expect probably in a month to come back with a recommendation to update the general plan and prepare a new CEQA uh, document. And that's the information. Thank you. Chief Tens. I have a question of uh, Mr. Glendo about that. So when we, we propose that, are we talking additional our costs involved in our CEQA analysis to mm -hmm. update that? Or, I mean, what kind of ballpark are we talking here? Don't know. Uh, staff and Don specifically are working on getting those estimates. Uh, I can tell you that it would be considerably cheaper than having each individual project do it. Oh, sure. Mm -hmm. And we have been pushed back in approvals because of this. Um, but we will come back. I mean, that's obviously part of the answer yeah. is what will it cost. But I would, I would say from my perspective, mm -hmm. the city needs to do it. There are people waiting to build homes. There are, mm -hmm. frankly, some folks waiting to bring some major jobs in. And with this restriction, they can't do it, simply can't do it. Thank okay. you. I appreciate that answer. I want our taxpayers to hear that answer. So thank you. And and whatever number he brings you, by the way, and whatever number Don brings you, will will be the number assuming that you don't get challenged on it in litigation. Correct. Right. Um, it is it, it is a head scratching. Uh, it, it, it is an endeavor in truly mind numbing activities, but. So I, I have a question as well, mm -hmm. and <clears throat> we would have to make an adjustment in our um, general fund budget. You would have to, I don't know if you'd have to make an adjustment in the budget, you would have to find some dollars for it somewhere. If you already have some dollars allocated in a category that would work, then you wouldn't have to adjust the budget at all. Um, and again, I'm, I have now quickly exhausted my knowledge of the budget specifically. Mm -hmm. uh, so. let, me, let me add that uh, the Butte County Association of Governments hired Fear and Pierce to analyze what this means, mm -hmm. and they have pages of potential mitigation measures, 90% mm -hmm. of which are not feasible in a valley community. Uh, most of it has to do with transit, using bikes, and walking. Mm. And Councilperson Goodson, to answer your question regarding the budgeting, when we bring this back, we'll bring it back with a proposed um, a funding source for this so you know where it will uh, have to come from and where out of. And, yes, we may need to amend the, the budget. Mm -hmm. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Don with a W. 
Uh, we are still awaiting the final draft of the Municipal Services Review, or the MSR. We're hoping to have that this week or next. Uh, also, uh, as staff previously applied for the statewide parks funding grants to finish phase two of Hewitt Park and the enhancements at Bedrock Park and the Levee Trail, we did recently receive a site visit from the statewide parks program um, uh, analyst, and so our applications are still under consideration for award for those projects. So I just wanted to update you there as to where we are. Mr. Legron, as Chief of Police, do you have any announcements? No. Is anybody hiding out there? Well, can't even Mr. Attorney. Yeah, um, Council Members, I will send to uh, Mr. Mayor, I'll send to you and, and the Council Members a, uh, a couple of documents and a link to a website on the, uh, on the ISO rating. It's actually called the Fire Suppression Rating Schedule. It does give the, as Council Member Pittman noted, uh, in, in some of his discussions, it does give you the calculations of how many points each category uh, will earn you. Um, I will tell you, I've been through these documents several times, and much like the FICO scores, I can't tell you exactly how many points will equal a class one rating or class two or class three. That I haven't found it yet, and I've, I've looked for it extensively. That may be one of those trademarked secret sauce kind of numbers that they don't want to disclose to you as to how they calculate it. They will tell you exactly how many points each category is worth. And, and the 70-page the, 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 the document I'll send you will literally break down every one of those categories into major subcategories. But how many points equals a ISO 1 rating versus 2 versus 3? I can't tell you. Um, I, I'll keep looking for it, um, and if I find it, I'll certainly pass it along. But anyway, I will get you information that I have, which is what matters in their calculations. That'll give you at least some basis to determine: okay, are we doing well? Are we, you know, are there are there large areas where we could improve? Um, I'll send it to all of you. Thank you, Ruth. Okay, with that, we will adjourn to, until July 20th, 2021 at 4 p.m. Meet in Germany.